1: Welcome back, folks, to Paranormal Heart Podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. I have another great episode. I am joined by longtime friend Vinnie Vineyard, a.k.a. Funk Master V, who I cheekily call Hunk Master V. He wears many, many hats and has an impressive background, which includes stand-up comedian, professional wrestler, musician, paranormal investigator, actor, producer. I could go on and on. Vinny discusses how he got into acting, directing, and editing award-winning movies, Paranormal Investigating, and talks about one such encounter with Spearfinger located in the Smoky Mountains. Folks, you'll notice towards the end of the episode some strange things happen with the recording as Vinny speaks about Spearfinger. I speculate that reptilians have briefly interfered with the connection, and perhaps Spearfinger resumes his encounter by continuing to mimic him to finish the episode. Or perhaps it's simply, I lost power due to nasty storms in the area and Mr. Vineyard was gracious enough to send me an audio clip to finish his encounter, enabling me to be creative to ensure the show goes on. You be the judge. If you'd like to be a guest on the show or have questions, comments, or just want to say hello, drop me an email at paranormalheart13 at gmail.com. I'd love to hear from you. And if you enjoy the show, please like, share, and subscribe. It's one of the many ways to show your support and get the show out there. You can find me on YouTube, Podbean, Fringeradionetwork.com, KPNL Digital Network on Thursday nights, and any place you find fine podcasts. You can also join me on Discord where we can chat while listening to new episodes as they are released on the second and last Sunday of each month at 5 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Now, on with the show! Hello Hunk master welcome back to Paranormal
0: Heart It's about time. I thought you didn't like me no more
1: Oh that's not true.
0: I love you Well, you better it gets, <laughs> It's hurtful sometimes now it's been a while. The last time I was on here, I was eating a terrible fast food sandwich while I was I was starving while I was doing it. I felt like it was a terrible interview so I'm here to redeem myself
1: See I didn't even know that
0: I think I told you. You weren't even listening. Know. That's how bad it was.
1: I have a bad memory. I really
0: do. I just remember I wasn't happy with myself. I was happy. Which, well, I know you were, but you're easily impressed or something. I'm not sure. The little
1: <laughs> things that impress yes. me.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, then you, yeah, whatever. <laughs> mind.
1: You have been a busy man ever since you're well, since you're on last time. You've been up to a lot of stuff.
0: I've been up to no good. A lot of prowling. <laughs> A lot of peeping in the windows, hygiene. Uh, That's you? Yeah. Yeah. I, I keep leaving you calling cards, but I think the, uh, identify who I'm about. I think some sort of animal's taking them off into the night. No, I just, uh, yeah, we, uh, last time we talked, I can't remember when that was. It was a couple years ago, but, uh, I've gotten into the movie making business and I'm making, um, um, sometimes I'm making horror movies, horror comedies about, uh, the, the things that we run into during, uh, or things that, uh, we think we may be running into when we're doing, uh, paranormal investigations. And that's been fun. It was kind of like bringing, um, some of the stuff that we run into, into, into the light. Um, our first movie, The Hike, which is available on Amazon Prime to, uh, people not in Canada, apparently. Yeah. I'm, uh, I'm I'm
1: not happy about that.
0: <laughs> you can buy our DVDs now on Amazon anywhere in the world, but uh, the um, the yeah the first movie, the hike is is there's a lot going on with it, but at the, at the heart of it, it was a um, uh, basically we run into the Cherokee legend of Spearfinger, which is a big deal down in Tennessee where I live and North Carolina specifically, but. Um, yeah it was uh, we kind of we had an investigation with Wrestling with Ghosts, which is a TV show I do for a couple of weird small stations, but um, it's a lot of fun. But we investigated Spearfinger and in 2020, or maybe it was 2019, but then um, we had a, a, a couple of weird run-ins uh, trying to chase that um, legend down. and then when the pandemic happened, we, Luke and I decided to start making movies. And so the first culprit, uh, the first bad guy, we were going to put in was Spearfinger, and and we did, and we were happy with what happened and all that jive. But um, yeah, been busy.
1: I'm looking forward to being able to finally watch some of your movies. <laughs> I mentioned yeah, we got,
0: that. I mentioned that two. a lot. Yeah, we got yeah, you do. We got two. We got two out, and we're working on a third, which is another. The third is a secret. Uh, there's there's a, a pair, There's like a little. Um, non-lame, hopefully, M. Night Shyamalan twist on the third one, so, Um, but it's about, uh, you know, all these, we're doing six uh, movies right now based on the Smoky Mountain Chronicles, I mean, that's what we're calling them, the Smoky Mountain Chronicles, they're based on legends and lore of uh, the Smoky Mountains, uh, great Smoky Mountains stuff going on, uh, in the mountains, and, the, and and some of those are, are not as uh, obvious as some people might think. Some of them are the kind of the bad guys uh, of the area, but, uh, or the, the cryptids or what have you, uh, the nefarious ones, but some are a little bit, um, they're going to be a little bit surprising who we just select, but yeah, I can't wait for you to see them.
1: I can't wait either. Uh, did you decide <laughs> to make movies because of the pandemic, and you weren't able to get out and do investigations like a lot of us?
0: Um, well, the, yeah, in a way, Luke had always been wanting to do a movie, and since I do the editing for Wrestling with Ghosts, I knew that was going to fall a lot on me, and I just didn't want to skirt, I wanted to skirt the responsibility of doing a movie. Uh, Luke does his fair share, but editing is a, is a, is a bastard. Uh, can we say that in Canada? Yes, you can. Uh, all right, beautiful. (laughs) It's a sword up there, isn't it? I don't know. But anyway, um. Editing is a bastard. It is a bear. That's something we could say everywhere. It's a bear. So I, I, uh, I didn't want to do it. And then when um, he kept talking about doing this horror movie, and I was like, man, I don't want to do no horror movies. And uh, he eventually, during the pandemic, there was a report that said every production house had shut down and uh that's when i was like this is our time to strike and it was a good decision because we were able to get our movie onto a major platform and we got our second movie that was picked up we actually had a distributor come towards us for that one so uh i'm excited about uh the future and it was a, it was one, for once in my career it was the time to strike instead of being about seven years too late but uh yeah, it was it was cool. That, that was basically the the genesis of why we started it.
1: I can't imagine editing movies because I struggle with editing audio, um, and that's it's it's tricky. I'm get, I'm I'm get, I'm starting to get the hang of it. Uh, my friend uh, Brian Anderson has been mentoring me for the past. Few years, but a lot more so the past year. Um, but it, it's it's not easy. I find. Uh, do you find it's it's struggling as well for uh, editing video?
0: It's hor- it's horrible. Um, it's when a movie goes off the air, all those names are not just people they like or the phone book. It's people that actually went in and did crap on the movie. And when it goes off the air, you're like, oh, this is taking nine minutes to see these microscopic names. Well, I mean, post-production, that's all me and maybe a couple of people that help out a little bit. Uh, when things are going on, there's there's a lot of hands on deck, but the editing is a nightmare. Uh, the Hike, I had to learn a lot uh, on how to edit a movie that was going to be picked up and could be shown worldwide. And then with this next movie that we did, WHC, which is about a radio station during Return of Christ during the Y2K, which is a, I, I think it's a funny movie. Um, I learned I had a college education course. Uh, the first movie, often one, took me about six months to edit. I couldn't believe it took that long. It was probably about three. And then I kept tweaking it because there was things I was doing wrong and I had to separate audio and this, that, and the other. I kept making mistakes. The second one took about three and a half to four months to edit. Um, so I think I'm getting a little bit better. But it still was a lot more than I thought. Um, there were – to get this thing all over the world this time, uh, I had to do a different – I had to get a, a bunch of new programs. And you know how that is. You were talking about a new program yep. before we got on the air. Yeah, you have to deal with. Um, so – it's always a learning process. Technology changes. These platforms that show movies, their um, requirements change, and they're fairly irritating because um, they change, I think, just for the sake of change or to limit how many people can submit uh, projects. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's rough, but it's rewarding. I think when you, when you have a movie and you're in a theater and it's full of people and they're laughing at the right parts – and <laughs> they're not laughing at the, the parts they're not supposed to laugh at, uh, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a nice feeling. And when people get out of there and like, man, like I just got messages this morning, this guy said, so I just bought both your movies. I love both of them. Uh, somebody else sent me a message this morning. They're going to watch it tonight, the new one nice. and they can't wait. So it, it's nice to kind of get encouragement. And there are people I don't know. They're just messaging me out of the blue. So it's, uh, that is a good feeling. So it's worth it—the editing.
1: Yeah. So all, all that hard work that you're putting in—it's nice getting some some feedback.
0: Yeah. Well, the first the first movie did real well. The editing. What you learn too is they give an Oscar for best. <laughs> excuse me. I was being possessed there for a second. But I rebuked it. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> they get a. Uh, you get, they give out an Oscar for director near the end of the show, and whoever wins uh, best picture, that goes to the producers. The editing Oscar, I think they give it like it's in a wharf. You have to go to a wharf on a dock, and a guy in a brown trench coat, trench coat, hands you the Oscar. It's <laughs> it, it's a piece of crap that they do that. It's a crappy thing because I think the editing is really you can make a you could take Schindler's List and edit it. Yep. And if you didn't know what you were doing, you could make that the worst movie in history. Um, no matter what the director, no matter what the writers wrote, no matter what um, all the people in the crew did no matter what the actors did the editor could have ruined it i think an editor deserves a lot more praise uh, in the movie making industry but that's just the way of the world i think the people in our society that deserve praise don't get it yeah um, you know mothers that keep families together don't get a lot of praise but we're, we're going to watch johnny depp for 3 weeks because we care about his crappy relationship for some reason and i got to admit i'm watching it too yeah but, i am too but i'm like I don't like. I, I don't have a vested interest. I don't like either one of them. I think he's kind of a jerk, and I think she, uh, he, you know, he's he's obviously an alcoholic and had problems, and he wouldn't have been easy to live with. And slamming doors and stuff like that is a form of intimidation and domestic abuse, no matter what you think. But I think she is probably the biggest liar and sociopath I've seen since people in my own family. Uh, and that's probably why we're watching it so intently, is because it reminds us of people when they're up there. And she says, "My dog stepped on a bee," uh-huh. and you're like, "What?"
1: <laughs> yeah, you're just
0: it's like a somebody with a psychological problem or a borderline personality disorder trying to act like a human being. It's almost like an watching an alien try to act like a person. It's she's up there wincing at the wrong <laughs> moments and stuff. And anyway. Uh, Not to get off on that stuff, but like people – I think editors deserve uh, more praise because I'm an editor among everything else. I guess I I want more praise. But I think editors do a lot of work and they shape whatever you see. And I think a lot of the movies that you see that you think suck, probably it was the editor's fault and a lot of the movies that you think – are great. Um, they're like the they're like the offensive line in American football. I don't know if you know what that means, but they they don't get praised. No. The running back that runs for ninety yard run, he gets all the the accolades. But the offensive line who created the holes for him to run through, nobody talks about them. And and uh, so I think that's that's the one thing about editing. Anybody that's in the editing process can probably nod their head to that stuff. So.
1: Yeah, I I totally appreciate people who do this for a living. Uh, When I first started my podcast for the first three years, I used to just record, send it to Brian Anderson, he would fix everything up for me, put the intro and outro and and everything together for me, Bob's your uncle, it was magic. And then I started doing it myself and I'm like, what the hell am I doing? Uh, Lots of video tutorials from him, lots of Skype calls (laughs) from him, uh, trying to help me out here and... uh, uh, yeah it, it's not easy and and um uh even book narration cuz i'm doing that now and a friend of mine just uh narrated a book and uh he all he had to do was go into the studio read read uh, what he had to read and then he had uh an, uh what are they called um editing engineer do all the do work all the magic and it's not easy so um, how long would you say that you sit down in your studio to edit a day?
0: Oh, well, it just depends on what we're doing. Like, um, this morning, uh, out of Chicago, I was editing a, a, wrestling show, uh, for a friend of mine out of Chicago who does the retro circuits. Retro. Oh, so you
1: don't just do your own movies.
0: Uh, no, I do um, wrestling with ghosts, which is our TV show. Yep. I have another show called It Happened to Me, which I edit. Uh, we do comedy uh, um, sketches. We do video game stuff, but I also we also make music videos. There's a country music artist named Emmy Sunshine. We've done a couple of her videos. The last wow. one's got yeah, the last one's gotten uh, really good reviews. But I don't edit all the time. I mean, I write. I perform. I perform in almost all the stuff we do. I'm an actor. I've got two movies that I'm starring in. I'm not just in the movie. I'm actually the lead in two movies coming out of movies that we that has nothing to do with me. I've just been hired to be this actor. Uh, so it's more of a you know it's it's you know and like Monday we were just doing an investigation for Wrestling with Ghosts. So I was part of the crew. I was part of. The lead, uh, we, me and Luke ran the investigation, and everybody else kind of did what we said and filmed what we wanted them to film so everybody can get it on camera. But I got to edit that later and gather all the footage and package that up and all that stuff. So, um, it, it depends. If I'm doing a movie, I'm going to be doing, I'm probably in the studio editing anywhere up to 40 hours a week. Um, uh, or less it could be 10 or 20 or something like that but it's always a lot it, if there's an editing day it's normally a 12 to 16 hour day so wow. yeah
1: it's a long ass day
0: it's a long ass day it's hard work yeah you, you're trying to sit there and and do sound engineering it, it, it you do doing you're trying to fix the colors color correction you're trying to decide what to put in what looks which take to take and if we have a scene where we've you know, done four takes or whatever. We got to look at each. I got to look at each one. And so, you know, it's 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 that thing. So, yeah, it's a long ass thing.
1: And you have to think of the background noise that you don't want to.
0: Yeah. So that's sound engineering is a big deal. Sound yep. is sound will kill or make your movie. A lot of amateur uh, filmmakers don't understand. You can't have air conditioning on yep. when you're recording stuff. Um, you can't have uh, you know your camera making noise. There's a lot of beginner stuff. You can't have somebody screwing around with a mic. You can't have wind. Uh, you can't have a dog barking. Or if you do, that's you just leave it in there and decide. But you got to have the dog barking through every cut. So if the <laughs> dog's only yapping when it's like a guy, you know, three quarter of the the female, and it goes to the male and the dog's not barking, you got to then extrapolate that that dog barking and it, during the breaks and put it in uh, to hers and you got to bleed audio all over the place. Yeah, it, it's it's a, it's a mess.
1: Have you... So when you do your movies, is it strictly outside or are you in a studio mm-hmm. as well?
0: Uh, the hike was... The hike was all outside. Mm-hmm. If you don't count being in a car for a moment... Uh, and there's a lot of challenges with that um, with sound. Um, and then you learn how to remove wind noise. You learn how to put in wind noise to um, kind of homogenize the different wind noises from each take. And, and, and when you're recording with a nice stereo mic, the wind's coming from a different direction. So you don't want to do that to your audience, where they feel like they're about to throw up, it's like, <laughs> yeah. like, like you're disorienting them. So you got to pan that stuff out too. Um, WJHC was mainly in, indoors. It was a, um, it was a, a movie about a radio station. Even though there's there's quite a bit outside too, uh, but indoors has its own problems, especially when you're trying to film in an operating television station pretending it's a radio station at night, there's all sorts of weather channels breaking in and blaring. There's also, there's a police scanner going that blares out over the whole station that we didn't, we didn't have the key to get in that room, turn that down. (laughs) So we'd have to cut, uh, for that kind of stuff or, or, uh, and then air conditioning and lights and the machines, there's always a irritating hum that you have to suppress. So it's just, uh, it's just a mess. That rhymed.
1: <laughs> now, when you, when you've done when you're doing your movies, have you ever had paranormal experiences happen at the same time?
0: Yeah, but you're so you're so busy you can't deal with it. Like um, the the radio station or the television station we filmed out for this WJHC movie WJHC AM, uh had a guy in the basement. There's a basement apartment underneath. In fact, if you ever watched the movie, there's a scene where I'm running. From a devil and I try to go into this um, door and there was so much to do. It's the it's also the movie's based in the nineties. So I'm wearing these long nineties. You remember the long pants when people wore oversized yeah. blue jeans. So I'm so <laughs> lame I still had some of those. I didn't even have to go to a thrift shop. So I've got those No props the there. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. So I, I uh I had those on. So I'm fighting this jabron, this demon on camera for about 20 minutes. And then the scene is me running to the basement. And if you see that, I slip and fall. And everybody on set was like, "Ah!" because I fell hard. But I'm a wrestler. And for some reason, that stuff doesn't hurt. And I popped right back up. And they were like, did you do that on purpose? I was like, hell no. But it looked good. So we're going (laughs) to keep it. Um, But that room the reason I even bring that story up that room that I was trying to get into is a basement apartment of the television station. And there was a guy who had committed suicide in that apartment. Uh-huh. And the, the folks who believe in such things, um, say that he, uh, that there are, uh, spirits and things, the things moving around. So when we were filming the other people like there's, there was a voice coming out of this office, but when you're filming a movie, you're like, okay, whatever. We gotta get we gotta get on with this. Everybody's getting sleepy, and you know, or whatever. We gotta get through the night. So, because uh, we had to shoot at night, they didn't even the radio, the television station didn't even know uh, we were shooting there because of coronavirus. Because uh, they didn't want people to know that people were getting into the building because they didn't want their radio preachers or television preachers to come in and start doing their shows live. They were like, no, it's closed. Uh, We don't because they preferred not dealing with those knuckleheads. And, uh, you know, because if you know a preacher, they just they come in there and they will not shut up. You know, it's one of those things they won't leave for 50 minutes. So uh, and they're nice people. Don't get me wrong. But they're like, this is a lot. This runs a lot smoother if nobody comes in here to talk to us. So they didn't want the the community to know. It's like a community television station. They didn't want the community to know that gotcha. people were coming in filming or whatever. So mm-hmm. we had to do it in the middle of the night so people get tired. So we didn't have a lot of time to investigate uh, the stuff going around.
1: Now some of the audio you said there was voices uh, voices coming from that room. Did you pick that up on audio as well?
0: At that Or point, did you notice you just, at that point you just totally you don't look for it cuz yeah. like Because you're just too busy trying to make the movie decent.
1: I just didn't know if something really stood out. And you're like, what the hell was that?
0: Nothing crazy in these first... We're filming our third movie right now. Nothing crazy yet. Now, we are... This third movie is Camp Smokey. And there's an abandoned camp that I've gotten the rights to. uh, And I bet that's got some creepy stuff going on in there. This place... This looks like a horror movie. You don't even... You just have to... Somebody put an iPhone up. And just let it roll. It looks creepy enough. So,
1: do you think you'll uh, get a chance to investigate that campsite sometime?
0: If we find something, just because something looks creepy doesn't mean it's going to produce exactly. anything. Yeah, but um, and sometimes something's not ha- something's not haunted and paranormal stuff. It's not known to be haunted, and then there's all sorts of stuff going on. Yep. Um, we have uh, we just did an investigation Monday with Wrestling with Ghosts. Of this place called the Greenback Castle. The Greenback Castle.
1: Yeah, I saw you post that on Facebook.
0: That looked yeah, beautiful. Well, it's it's nuts. The the pictures don't do it justice either way. It it um the guy who ran I got heat from this too, because I, I said the guy was eccentric. I'm not even saying what I really think the guy is. Uh the guy well, this is a Canadian thing, I'll say this. I think the guy's a complete nut job. He's a nutter, as as the British would say. <laughs> he um he has made this castle his whole life, and everything about it on the outside, he, he handwrites um or he sculpts or he does artwork, these phrases, he hand paints or whatever he does into the walls. And most everything is about Jesus and God and and all this stuff and life after death, but what and people get swept up in that. They're like, well, he's a good Jesus God fearing guy, and he may be. I don't know. I don't. I don't care. But whatever he wants to do, he can do it. However, intertwined with all these messages is this structure that has many rooms that don't make sense. There's no structure since. He's built it at different times of his life and embedded in the walls are things like skulls, occultic symbols, Nordic uh, like uh, writing. Um, uh, he has a torture chamber in there. Um, so it's like, yeah, that's a man of God, right? A pet cemetery that looks something like it came out of a horror movie. Um, and I'm not saying the guy's a bad man, but there's a lot of conf- there's a dichotomy of vibes, and a, and <clears throat> a couple of the women that come with us, and it seems like 99 percent of all females on a paranormal team are psychics or mediums. Uh, anyway, they all felt like he put um, his own darkness into the structure. Like this is a complete. Um, I wouldn't say complete, but this is, this is some sort of avatar or an imprint, this building of who he is as a human being, because human beings are all messed up. We all, you know, we're good. There's the id, the ego and the super ego. There's good, there's evil. There's a black wolf inside and a white wolf. And if you're from Mexico, a Hispanic wolf, but, um, the, uh, there's all these different types of flavors inside of us and different ways to think. And um, you. they said that he put a lot of his own darkness into these walls. And I think, you know, I don't know if that's bullcrap or not, but it, to me, I could see that. Like, you have something that talks about Christ as king, and then right next in the next room... There's a bunch of skulls and a bunch of uh, occultic symbols and, and stuff like that. And it's just like, I think this guy is eccentric. So there's no evidence of that place ever being haunted. In fact, I got flamed for that. You know, in paranormal industry, uh, world, people get mad at you if you start saying things are haunted that's not supposed to. Or the yep. general public, mm-hmm. quit trying to quit quit trying to make things evil or whatever. And just because it's paranormal doesn't mean it's evil. Exactly. It just means there's something there that you can't, that's that's beyond the norm. That's all that really means. And so, there are there is something there. There's uh, that there, we captured on camera, a chess piece moving by itself, and and uh, tons of voices. And then all the psychics and mediums or whatever we had with us, they were saying there's women and men and a dark spirit and you know things moving around that shouldn't move and and voices and stuff. And we'll get all the evidence later, but. Um, yeah, it was, it was a complete circus at at night. The place looks completely different at night, which most, I guess you could say that about everywhere, but the flavor definitely changed because it is kind of campy, um, and silly. And at night it looks like, what is this structure and what, what, look it up. It's the Greenback Castle in Greenback, Tennessee, um, it's it's a cool it's a cool place and it's a roadside attraction it closes at eight all you have to do is drive up to it it is in a weird little neighborhood in the middle of nowhere tennessee um you just kind of roll up he may come out there and try to give you blueberries and talk to you uh and if you're a woman he will definitely flirt with you he's that kind of old man and but uh he's innocent enough um but the structures so nutty that well, the first time we were there we lost our footage but we saw the chess piece move on camera again or the first time and at that point it freaked me out that I thought the guy was in the walls of the building like I thought he had secret passages and stuff going because I was like there's no way because the piece moved behind my back mm-hmm. and uh, <clears throat> I was like there's this guy's like looking at the girls and running through it and that's that's not fair to say but that was what I was thinking at the time. Um, I think the guy's innocent, <clears throat> innocent enough. But um, yeah, that was a wild, that was a wild uh, uh, thought process to go through.
1: When was this built? Uh,
0: that's a good question. Uh, Tracy, who was in, who stars in our movie WJCAM, she uh, was there early to make sure we had permission to stay late. She kind of went on the tour with the guy, and uh, I. I don't know, but he has built it over years. Um, what is that house out in California? Is it man? It's um, there's a house out there where a the lady was prophesied. Somebody, a fortune teller, told her that if you constantly hear hammers going, or the sound of construction, that you'll never die. So she built this house with all these rooms and steps leading to nowhere. Oh and yeah,
1: I can't remember what it's
0: called. Yeah, uh, it, it's it's like that. It's perpetually. Being built, or it was. I think he's to the age now where he can't really do anything. There's part of the castle that's not completed. Um, oh, so he's got, so
1: he's still alive, working on it.
0: Yeah, he's the guy out there. Yeah, well, he's not oh. really. I don't think he's doing anything. He just comes out there and he'll come out there and he's a groundskeeper too. He'll mm-hmm. probably mow it and he'll probably talk to people and he'll move some stuff around or whatever. But yeah, he'll clean. Yeah, it's it's. There's there's an inside. There's there's rooms and. There's one room. I think he try, I think he tried to make like a youth group room or something out of it, which is kind of funny where he tried to make he put stuff down there he thought kids would like and there's like a bible down there but everything's covered in crud. because um, it's out it's mainly outdoors. There's no shutting doors or nothing. It's all open air. So everything he put down there, the radio and lights and stuff. He puts he puts a bunch of there's a bunch of dolls on a bed. Uh, and he says, hey, and there's a sign that he hand wrote, says, hey, take one. And they're all covered in just butt funk. You wouldn't want to touch oh. one of those. In 10 foot. Yeah. And he's got like a little place out there to take food. And there's no telling how long that canned food's been sitting out there if you need food. So he's a good hearted guy, I guess. Maybe a little misguided. Um,
1: well, like you said, eccentric.
0: Yes, that's the way. I don't think that's yeah. offensive. But, uh, people, I don't think so either. People have taken offense. But we live in 2022, and that's what everybody likes to do now, is get offended. But
1: yeah, it's ridiculous.
0: It is. It
1: is. So uh, you said, are you going to be ever... It would be cool if you could film a movie there. Do you have plans to do that?
0: Well, I actually, I was talking... I was just thought of this yesterday. I watched two movies yesterday. I mm-hmm. watched... Um, one's called *Men*, which... Was made by the guy that did Ex Machina, and it's a very mm. it's a British horror movie, and it's very interesting. Uh, it there's the last twenty minutes of the movie. Uh, I don't want to spoil alert, but it kind of ruins the movie for me. <laughs> um, it's just ridiculous. But the first part was really cool, and it, it made me think this third movie. Could we include this particular structure? Because I just think it would look good visually. I just don't know if it make sense story-wise. And we got to think how we can, you know, not ruin the movie by adding it. But uh, I think it would be a neat thing to have in the movie, at least visually. Because, yeah, it is striking.
1: Maybe it could be included at the end as a plot twist or something.
0: Well, this is had. There was a traveling part of the movie. It would, that would be the only place it probably makes sense. Like you ran, if somebody ran across it, but uh, but yeah. Hmm. I, I'm
1: like I've said countless times. I'm really looking forward to watching your movies. I've seen clips, and their movies are doing well, right?
0: Yeah, the um, the one on Amazon dot, dot- The one on Amazon Prime is available in the Caribbean, the United Kingdom, and the United States. Um, And you can now worldwide buy the DVD and Blu-ray if anybody still has those things. A lot of horror fans still watch stuff like that. Uh, That's available worldwide. And The Hike has won uh, 36 awards. Uh, There are some people that don't like it, and there's some people we get messages all from around the world. There's people that think it's uh, one of their favorite movies they've ever seen. It's 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 a different movie um, than you've probably. It's there's no movie probably like it um, that you've ever seen. Um, and I I love it. Um, and then the, the this new movie uh, AM, is uh, available worldwide like the other one and. I'm excited about that. That one's gotten really good reviews so far. In fact, on IMDb it's got a 9.5 still, which is Oh wow. which is really high. Normally an Oscar winner gets like a 7.5, so we're way above but that and that'll probably calm down a little bit, but I do think if you're in the mood for a dialogue-driven comedy horror movie you're going to be hard pressed to find something better than that in the last few years. I'm really proud of that one. So yeah, it's it's uh, we're we're holding our own, and while we learn the craft of making movies, so we've, we've got a few tin cups for our efforts so far, and we're making a little bit of money, nothing much, but uh, we're not out of the hole yet. But it's getting there.
1: It's a start. Yeah. Not like you're these big Hollywood producers with big budgets and everything, so.
0: Oh no! These are these are micro. These called technically called micro budget movies. Anything under twenty five grand, which all three of these. uh, Hell, I think together right now we're just getting close to twenty five grand. So, yeah, Hmm. these are made ultra cheap.
1: Do you use the same actors?
0: Yeah, that's one of our gimmicks too. Is is we have a stable of nutty people, and I think that's one of the allures. Is you know, it's always going to have me. Uh, At some in some regard, I'm not necessarily going to be the star of the movies from now on. In fact, I don't think the first two I'm the star with a female co-star, like me and like the I'm the male lead of the first two movies. I think after that, they're going. I'm going to peel myself back to give other people opportunities. Kind of feel like I've done my shtick, and uh, I was I was the best one because I'm the best at improv to kind of get that off the ground, and now. Um, as we mature as filmmakers, I think uh, we'll be able to do more traditional scripts and um, get guys in there who have more talent than I do of acting uh, to take over. But yeah, the, then Luke, who's my tag team partner and he's in Wrestling with Ghosts, he's always going to be in them. In fact, the third movie is going to be his. He's the lead in that, the male lead. Um, and then Candy is in them who's in wrestling with ghosts and Travis who's in wrestling with ghosts. And then we have a group of people who are comedians and drag Queens and metal musicians and rappers and furries and just a weird magicians, just a weird uh, amalgamation of, of just human beings of different races and sexual orientations and belief systems. Uh, So it's a, it's a good uh, variety of human beings and everybody was very talented that the hike probably had 12 to 13 on-screen actors a couple of voice actors the this last movie had almost a hundred uh, on-screen actors or in voice actors uh so there was a lot of help that we got from WJHCAM, and um we actually uh you know, we can not. It's not just a bunch. Of our our friends are doing. It. I mean, we a couple of the roles we we cast and people got the jobs from other parts of the country and came down to shoot them. We had a guy flying from Texas. We got a radio disc jockey from Hot Springs, Arkansas. We had a, a an actor come in from Nashville. So it's not just our friends, but the, it is a vehicle for all them too. And all of them, a lot of the guys are pro wrestlers too. So there's that caveat. And, so yeah, there's a lot of different flavors of human beings and these things.
1: I've I've told you this before that you are such an interesting individual. Your background, uh, you know, wrestler, paranormal investigator, taxicab cab owner, uh, you're just amazing.
0: Well, thank you. That's not even all of it, but well, I, no, that's just I, a fraction. Just just a, just a little a little snippet of yeah. It I've just always been in entertainment i mean i was a stand-up comic for a while i was a professional bass player for a hip-hop and funk band for about eight years and we toured around um uh, you know and just other things i i think you know i was a stand-up comedy i I see i I haven't been in a while i don't even know what to call them anymore i was a stand-up comic when i was a kid and I wasn't very funny. I would rip off all of my shit from people that were funny or people <laughs> I thought were funny, which actually probably weren't funny at the time. I liked old jokes. I liked Abbott Abbott Costello and Henny Youngman yeah. and stuff like that. I, but the most hip guy that I liked at the time was David Letterman. Oh yeah. Uh, but um, and then I liked Second City Television. I liked a lot of the Canadians uh, that were that that became you know icons. Uh, there's something about. Jewish fellows, black guys, and people from Canada—they're they're just hilarious, uh, typically. But um, they uh, so they kind of formed me, but I wasn't very funny, and and now I'm starting to create stuff that is more humorous and hits better and is more original seeming. But really, all it is is my insane life experience has created these comedic situations. So these movies are a vehicle for that too. Like um, the, I, in these first two movies, I don't think our third one will have this, but the first two movies, there's a bunch of flashbacks. Every flashback is true. And people are like, did that really happen? Did that really happen? It's, and it's kind of very, I don't know if you people have watched uh, Kevin Smith movies, but very mm. early Kevin Smith Type stuff where there were stories and flashbacks, but a lot of stuff. You know, I didn't write any of this stuff. This stuff happened in real life. I think my talent, instead of being creatively funny, is just observing and being able to parlay that into a funny story. I think people struggle. Uh, they'll see something funny and they'll say it in one sentence. Oh, you should have seen this guy fall off the roof. But when I tell a story, <laughs> you,
1: you know, go into I,
0: detail. I, I make it about a four-minute story, and then you know, hopefully, people are laughing at that stuff. So it's, uh, it's funnier.
1: I think because of the, what's been going on in the past couple of years with this blasted pandemic and everything, we need, we need a lot of humor.
0: Well, humor. Yeah. Humor is, is the great salve, man. I mean, it, um, it doesn't get respected. I don't think as much as people that act like, I think comedy actors don't, it, and, and people are now attacking comedy, uh, actually physically and, and, and figuratively too. They, uh, you got to be careful because we got to be able to laugh at ourselves. You know, I don't want to get too political because I'm not, I'm probably going to disappoint a lot of people on both sides of the argument because I don't, I'm not a big fan of uh, the left wingers or the right wingers at this point uh, and haven't been for years. But I think we politicize everything and yep. we get angry at everything. I don't know why the pandemic became political, but it definitely did. Um, for instance, there was a guy... This is this is how effed up we are. This happened last night that I was made aware of this story. This is how effed up we are. There was a guy who runs a uh, ice cream shop here in Pigeon Forge. And if you don't know what Pigeon Forge or Gatlinburg is, um, if you watch The Bad Vegan, it's all over that uh, documentary that's on Netflix. But it's the second most... It's the second busiest tourist attraction on the East Coast. It's huge. you got the national, you got the Smoky Mountains here. And then you've got something that's like Branson, Missouri, or the Dells, or Myrtle Beach, or what have you. The, the Hamptons or whatever. You've got this tourist trap crap uh, that people take their families to. And it's fun and all that stuff. You'll spend $8 million here. So there's a guy locally that owns an ice cream shop. A family comes in. The family is all wearing masks, okay? The the son is autistic and has an autoimmune disorder. Mm-hmm. The reason they took the trip is they wanted to see the Titanic Museum. There's a giant Titanic here in town. And so they stopped off for ice cream. The guy, from her vantage point, told him to get out because of the masks. And it became a political thing because um, she's this, um, you know, this this... Guy in the South telling her to take the mask off, take the family's mask off. Well, his version of the story is he's hard of hearing, and he can't hear when people are speaking through masks. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: So to, to him, they were rude. To them, he was rude, and it became political. So if you go to this guy's Google page, it's called Country Creamery with two Ks. That's a little weird. Uh, One more K, then we'd have to go investigate that guy. Uh, But if you look that up in in Pigeon Forge, Tennessee, Country Creamery, all these people, and it's become, not because of the incidents where the guy was rude or there was a misunderstanding, the kid left and wept, you know, because he felt like he caused his family to have a nice time at the ice cream shop and he couldn't Mm. get ice cream. And and the guy was, you know, offended because he had a a hearing problem. And instead of a dialogue happening... Instead of people assuming this guy is in Tennessee, we're from up north. We've got masks on. He doesn't. He wanted me to remove the mask without. You know, we are jumping to conclusions left and right in, in this country, and it's and it's well, and I guess all over the world too. And, yeah, it happens and, here too. Yeah, and it, people are jumping to conclusions. And people aren't thinking. People aren't being empathetic. People aren't being loving. People aren't being. Uh, they're definitely not representing their God well, uh, mm-hmm. and uh, this is how evil uh, expands. Is because human beings are becoming less and less connected with each other, and we're assuming uh, we label people. Oh, that's if they believe in this political party, they're this, you know, and vice versa. And it's not fair. It's not good. And it's the way to divide the country. So yes, I think going back to your original point, comedy. Needs, you know, a joke could have dissolved that whole situation. And now yep. the family had a bad trip. The kids got a terrible memory. And this poor guy who's running his ice cream shop now his rating on Google is like a two out of five instead of a 4.5 or whatever it was before mm-hmm. this thing happened. So, you know, nobody's going to win in this situation. So that's, that's, uh, you know, an eye for an eye will leave the world blind. So, um, yeah comedy we don't need to attack comedy we don't need to you know people don't need to necessarily go after certain groups and make fun of people exclusively but everybody needs to be able to be to make fun of themselves and, and take a joke and um and yeah so i think comedy is very important so it is that's, yeah
1: i like how you when when you mention that uh people just need to send love more often uh for an example I had an experience, well, when the pandemic first started, when it wasn't um, it wasn't law yet that we had to wear a mask. It was your choice. You could wear one or you could not wear one. And I frankly don't care, wear one or not. Uh, if you're hacking up a storm, please wear a mask or stay home, but, you know, whatever. So I had this lady come up to me and uh, she was mad at me because I was not wearing a mask and she was, and she was ready for a fight. And I just kind of smiled at her and i said you know i wish you much love and happiness in your life you take care and i walked away and she stood there like what just happened she was expecting a fight honey you're not gonna get it from me (laughs) it was not over a mask
0: (laughs) it was very volatile uh i mean there were people you know um people in my family were being women men would go up to women which because men don't have balls men are cowards so they would go to a woman and start yelling at uh, them or there were some women that would go to women nobody's ever said to me boo to me wearing a mask or not i mm-hmm. uh, i before the government told us what we should do i just assumed when the pandemic was hitting i looked at the all you can do is when you're poor and you've got a family and you can't really trust the government or anybody cuz you don't know what you're being told is true anymore or if it's politically slanted you just got to make your own best decisions and go with the people that you trust. And mm-hmm. the first thing I thought of was people in Southeast Asia are constantly getting all sorts of crazy little viruses down there. And if you look at them half the time, hell, if you look at any picture of Hong Kong, there's so many people down there. Everybody's wearing a mask anyway. Yep. It's just what it's just part. of. So I was like, let's get some of these masks. And like very shortly after that, the mask thing happened. And nobody was saying it was a barricade to stop all germs. Uh, but there were people who were sicker than others. And it's nobody's business when you go out in the public who has a good um, immune system, who doesn't care if they live or die, who cares. You know, some people may not like breathing in the thing. And it came out that really the mass just helped people that had the disease from spreading it. So, yeah, if you had COVID, Hell, yeah, you should wear the mask. You probably should stay at home. But what we learned is the separation is what really uh, conquered the virus and not anything else. And the vaccines helped uh, beat it down a little bit. But I just had a friend today get COVID. But when you get COVID now, it's, it's the, if you're vaccinated and stuff, uh, you're going you're gonna to beat it pretty good. But, I mean, that was, that was a jacked up situation. And I don't, I don't know where the anger comes from.
1: Um, I think it's fear of
0: the unknown. There's always, every time something happens, these people on the Internet, and again, this is the minority. I think when you're on social media, when you're trying to promote stuff, you you have the mistake of thinking that everybody thinks the ways that are portrayed on social media. There's probably 80% to 85% of the people who don't get into that kind of stuff. It's just like the fringe people. But the friend, I, what gets me ill is the fringe people who think anything that happens in the news is, some, is a part of some giant conspiracy. Yeah. Um, and it kills me because at the end of the day, if you want to know what the true conspiracies are, they go back to money and power. Uh, there's not secret organizations or pedophile pizza huts or... Uh, you know, there's not uh, a lot of reptilians running around. Uh, if you think that, then show me the proof. I don't think any, you know, I think it's all about money. It's that simple. People want a yacht and a hot girlfriend on the side. And that's what it all comes down to. Steak dinners at night instead of pinto beans. I think that's where all the conspiracy goes. And, uh, you know, and power comes along with that, too. So I think um, that's enough fuel to do a lot of evil and we don't need secret societies or the Illuminati or people living under the ground or aliens or Nazis or any other boogeyman that we want to come up with. I, it's fun to talk about that stuff, but to believe that they're, they actually have any power in this world, I, I just don't see any evidence for that. I don't think anybody else does either.
1: We're kind of our own worst enemy.
0: Yeah, we don't need... When religious people tell me about the devil, I'm like, the devil can just sit back and and smoke a big fat blunt, and with his feet up and watch uh, watch married (laughs) with children. He doesn't need to do much because we we will we will we'll do it. We'll do the evil for him. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Easy for him. Exactly. Yes, easy job for that guy.
1: So, have you had any paranormal experiences recently that you'd like to discuss?
0: No. No, no you kidding.
1: don't want no, to discuss I'm them, kidding. or you haven't had any.
0: <laughs> I've, been, I've been told by this reptilian behind the computer I cannot okay. talk about. This, um, uh, yeah, let's see. What can I talk about, Paranormal wise, Probably something that would correlate into our movies, I think, would be. I, I, this didn't happen recently, but... Um, so I was talking about the Cherokee legend of Spearfinger was mm-hmm. kind of the fuel for the first uh, boogeyman or, or whatever or a movie. So we did this investigation um, in Bryson City, North Carolina, and in the Smoky Mountains where we live next to, there was like twenty something deaths over a sixteen month period of people who've been crushed by rocks or trees, yeah. and the old. Yeah, and the old M.O. of Spearfinger was she would either kill you with uh, her obsidian finger. She had a long obsidian finger. Um, or she would crush you. She would use nature to kill you. So we went over there and I said, let's go over here. And We went on the most haunted trail in North Carolina. I don't know how they decide that. I don't know if it's like a football poll or something where there's like an AP and a UPF. This week on the haunted trails in North Carolina. <laughs> Norton Creek coming in at number one, undefeated on the season at six and zero. Oh. Um, I I don't know how they determine it, but that was in her path where she was known to go, and so we went over there and respectfully asked uh, information because the spear finger too. We got a little heat for doing a movie about it being white people, which the girl that played the um, my girlfriend in the movie is mixed, but the they assume she's white. Uh, but they uh they they were they had they took it some people take exception that we're doing a movie about the Cherokees, uh, and we felt like this is I'm kind of always like, I'm a child of the seventies, so I think we're a melting pot, you know, I like funk music, well, mm-hmm. that's not a white thing uh, I love I eat Hispanic food five times a week. that's not a white thing, I think we all. Um, and then whatever, and even out of those things, um, you know, when when people are in our country, in America, are we rub off on each other? It's not a cult, It's not cultural appropriation. This legend of Spearfinger affects me. It may not be my religion. It may not be from my people. Mm-hmm. But when we're out in the woods as kids, it's like, hey, Spearfinger will get you. And for people that don't know, Spearfinger is a is a is a stone goblin. or Excuse me, a stone golem. Who is a female that can shape shift? She can, you know, and there's a lot of native skin uh, walker tales. She falls into that and she can look like your loved one. She can look like a girl you want to screw. She can look like your grandmother. She can look like a dude. And when she got you off the trail, she would stab you in the liver with her obsidian finger. That's why they call her spear finger. She had a black long finger and she'd stab you and eat your liver because she's a cannibal and we had people calling saying how dare you portray the Cherokee like this and I'm like do you want us to portray a, a cannibalistic child murderer in a positive light I don't know <laughs> but anyway she's a bad guy I mean yeah. even the, the Cherokee killed her so I mean the Cherokee are on our side too so anyway we go to investigate this and this is where we get the information for the um, for the movie so we thought this would be a bullshit investigation, pardon my French, because cryptids are hard to get an episode around. Because you know why. They're hard to catch if they exist. So this is a spirit, too. But we were told if Spearfinger is close by, you will see orange lights. I guess she's a UT Vol fan. I don't know. <laughs> but uh, Or she likes Clemson or, I don't know, Tampa Bay or something. But anyway... Um, when we get down there, and it's on the episode, Wrestling with Ghosts 3.1, Spearfingers. is the episode. When we get on the Norton Creek Trail, we see orange lights. We all see them on camera. And we're like, are those the effing orange lights? And if you watch our movie Spearfinger, or The Hike, which is about Spearfinger, every time she's around, you see a purple light. We chose purple because purple's sexier than orange. Nobody likes orange. So it looks better on... It's more feminine. So it's... Anyway, that's what we do. So anyway, um, we correlate that color with her. the purple. So anyway, um, we go on the trail. We're bebopping along. And we constantly hear talking, screaming, yelling, information. We're going down a trail off a road called the Road to Nowhere. If you like doing road... Uh, travel in this country, go to the Road to Nowhere in Bryson City, uh, there's a tunnel uh, that leads to absolutely nothing, it leads to a trail. It's a highway, there's no houses, there's no gas stations, it just goes and goes and goes, hits a tunnel, tons of spray-painted penises inside the tunnel for your viewing pleasure, and then when you walk out of the tunnel, it goes into a trail, and there's no road after that. So there's literally is a road to nowhere. And off that uh, mess was this Norton Creek Trail. So at 2 in the morning, we're hearing conversations. Now, we're walking by a stream. Streams are always tough because you're like, is I, am I hearing the water lapping? And it yep. sounds like a person talking. Am I hearing a rush of, of water and this? And it sounds like whispering. But then again, you have paranormal people say that water brings spirits around or helps generate spirits. So we've got this catch-22. So we're acting like a bunch of goofballs, goobers down there going, I don't know, I don't know, is that, is that I heard a scream, well, I heard this. Well, we keep walking in two in the morning and I'm on this road called the Road to Nowhere, off in a trail, bada boom, nobody's around. There's no campsites, there's no highways, nothing. We're 18 miles from anything. The closest city we're close to is called a, is a, an abandoned ghost town called Proctor. There's no roads to it. That's the closest city. Nobody lives there now. So um, we're bebopping along. And then right behind us, I hear Luke go, hey, guys. Funny thing is, Luke was leading the pack. And I had the camera in the back. We turn around, and Luke is not there. Spear finger is known as a mimic. And so we were like, what the hell was that? You know. And so we're sitting there going, is that spear finger? Is that spear finger? We keep walking. And then about two or three minutes later, a rock out of the woods, like freaking Ryan Clemens threw it out, 90 miles an hour, flies by our heads, almost beans my daughter, and hits a tree. And it's a rock that is, is not, um, it's not indigenous to that area. It's, it shouldn't be there. And so we were like, what the heck? Because Luke is also an amateur gemologist. Hmm. So we go, and we get to a beaver dam, and at the beaver dam, we decide not to to risk going across the beaver dam, because it is late, and if something happens, an accident, then we got to carry somebody's fat ass out of the woods, and we're not doing that. Uh, And so um, when my daughter stopped, all these monarch butterflies land on her legs, and we were like, what is that? And they're just sitting there, and monarch butterflies... I don't know. I'm not an entomologist, but they say that they don't fly around at night, Um, that monarch butterflies and uh, they they don't move during the day. But they all came, landed on her. And as we went back, hand on a stack of Bibles, 25 feet tall, we didn't hear anything.
1: Uh, Hunkmaster, you still there? Uh, Vinny? Vinny? Are you okay? What's what's going on, Vinny?
0: So, everything died down after that, and it was pretty much, um, pretty chill. But yet, there was enough that happened on that trail, and enough EVPs, and enough disembodied voices, that we decided that was, that was pretty significant, whatever was going on. And we never said that we ran into Spearfinger, but there was a lot of coincidences on that trip, um... So, yeah, we decided to make a movie out of that. So we are making six movies called the uh, Smoky Mountain Chronicles. And there e- each, each movie is, uh, has a moral, and each movie has some sort of legend or lore as a bad guy. And some things are cryptid, and some things are paranormal, and some things are other things, too. Uh, it's part of the fun and the surprise.
1: Oh, there you are, Vinny. Oh, jeez. I was worried. Glad you're okay. I um, uh, don't know if that was uh, Spearfinger or if that was uh, uh, Lizardmen. Uh, I don't I don't know what's going on, but I'm glad you're back. You fought them off. So why don't you tell us uh, where our lovely listeners can uh, can find you? And thank you so much for being on.
0: Okay. Well, this, re- this reptilian here has got a ray gun pointed right at my head behind the the monitor here and I've, I've got to uh a monitor behind a monitor right guy no didn't dig that one all right these reptilians don't have a good sense of humor sometimes uh basically cat uh where people can find us is big and funky productions where we're constantly uh offending people that could be big N Funk- funky productions big N funky Or you can go to our YouTube channel where we have a weekly podcast and we try to upload content that's fun every week, Uh, even sometimes we fail. But the movies, you can search Amazon WJHCAM, which is our newest movie, and also The Hike, uh, which is a movie we released last year. As always, baby, believe in the funk. And guys, we love you.